Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. The uh, What we've been exploring the last few weeks is about applying practice to engagement. And um, last week we talked about uh, holding a positive vision and I wanted to continue with that this evening. So um, Eve, why don't you start us off with some, some music? Okay, great, thank you. Hi everybody, it's good to be back. Um, I thought for this theme of wise engagement, wise action, wise effort, um, I thought a very simple song that we could all sing from behind our muted microphones together if you're inclined to sing. Um, some words from St. Francis of Assisi, may I be an instrument of peace. And the whole thing just sounds like this. May I be an instrument of peace. So the may I be an instrument is the same both times. Then the, in the first line you say of peace. And then the second time you say of peace and you hold out the word peace for a long time. And if you um, like, you know, if you're like me and you always like singing around campfires and stuff like that, and you want to try doing it in a round, once you get used to it, um, when I get to the word peace, you start the phrase. So I would say, may I be an instrument of, and while I go to peace, that's when you start. May I be, and it's really pretty if you want to try it. Okay. And it's fun, but also it's meaningful. It's an intention for action. You know, may our action yield wholesome results. May I be an instrument of peace. May I be an instrument of peace. May I be an instrument of peace. Instrument of peace. 
Thank you. Thanks, Eve. Um, yeah, one thing to keep in mind when when they're singing, uh, we all have to mute ourselves except for the except for the singer because it doesn't work out with Zoom. So, thank you for that offering. Mm. May it be so. Mm. So, um, with these intense times. These last few weeks, we just have been using the the Dharma to help us hold experience. And a few weeks ago, if you haven't been with us, uh, I gave a, a talk on the Buddha as a social activist. Uh, and then the fires came, and um, as we were, I was about to to talk about engagement. It seemed right to just give space for the feelings to be held because there's so many, uh, a swirl of emotions that just needed to be expressed and felt. Last week, I continued uh, with, with the original plan and talking about how important it is to hold a positive vision in particularly in times of stress and turmoil and conflict and despair, how easy it is to go down the rabbit hole in our minds and our hearts and, um, and we become um, more instruments of despair and, uh, and, and sorrow and hopelessness, which doesn't help anybody. And it's certainly understandable to have those, those feelings like we, we did. We needed to hold them but not to get stuck in the grief and the, and the fear, but to transform it and to be actively engaged in making this uh, a, better, a better world. Mm. And it just seems, as I said earlier, to up the ante each week to ask us how to do that. So more than ever, it's important. And what I wanted to do, uh, we, I don't know how far we'll get in it tonight, but at least we'll get started, is share with you um, an approach by a, a dear friend, an inspiration for me, Roger Walsh, who I mentioned last week. He's a kind of Renaissance uh, man, has sat many, many retreats, was on the first three-month retreat with me at IMS. We both sat together and he sat many, many retreats. He's a teacher in the um, Tibetan tradition. He's a psychiatrist uh, at UC Irvine and has uh, trained many psychiatrists and many meditation uh, students over the years and an author who's written a number of books uh, this one beyond ego. He's a leading thinker in transpersonal psychology, uh, paths beyond ego. There's a book on shamanism that he wrote. 
Um, he's done a number of books around the Course in Miracles with his, his wife, uh, Frances Vaughn, who's no longer with us. Uh, he wrote a, a, a really profound book called um, uh, Essential Spirituality. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Um, uh, seven Practices for, um, for the World. I can't pull it up right now, but it's, it's quite... It's quite a wonderful, a very deep thinker. And recently, we're in a group together uh, that meets monthly. And recently, he gave this presentation on uh, contributing effectively in times of crisis. And I was very uh, touched by it, as many were. And I wanted to share with you one way to hold a positive vision is to uh, just have a sense of the bigger picture of understanding the current reality. And of course, the wider you open the lens, the more you see uh, beyond uh, what's happening right now, but a, a, a larger movement. Um, and this paper, Contributing Effectively in Times of Crisis, goes through a number of different steps of understanding how, um, how civilizations experience crises and, and move through them um, to, the, to the next level. Uh, I am going to share the screen here. Let's see. And um, last week, we looked at the first of four key questions that he opens up the paper with. What can I do? We ask ourselves as you're going through this right now, whatever, wherever you are, as we're, our, our country and, and world goes through what it's going through, whether it's the virus or, or the, the U.S. Um, um, elections or um, the political, the racial unrest, what can I do? Uh, and what do I feel called to contribute? Where does my heart break? As I say, follow your heartbreak, Andrew Harvey uh, says. And what's the most strategic thing that I can do? These are questions to ask yourself personally. And how can I live my life so as to be an optimal instrument of service? As Eve was just singing. So as we explored just on that personal level, then we look at the, the bigger picture, how to have a, hold this with a positive vision. And um, he has 10 different steps, or 10 different principles, I should say. Um, and um, we'll go through them a little at a time. And hopefully they can help us all hold this bigger picture of what we are going through at this time. This is, uh, I've never done a real PowerPoint. So this is, this is like, uh, <laughs> this is a very poor man's PowerPoint. I just took the headings. I, I should, actually, I should maybe open it up and maybe see if I can make it larger. Uh, ah, that's, that's better. Um, so the first principle in this is um, realizing the fact that all civilizations face recurrent threats 
and require creative responses. Since humanity has been in this world, there have been crises that have come uh, to face us that we have been called on to meet and that we have met and the evolution of humanity um, keeps, on, uh, keeps on moving forward. So for instance, one crisis as I was looking back uh, is uh, the plague in uh, 1347 through 1350 was the, was the, the years of, of the plague. And it was very much like the, the pandemic today. It was brought from uh, Russia by, um, by Italian traders coming from uh, Russia and on their boats, there were fleas on the black, on black rats that carried this virus that ended up uh, wiping out about a third of Italy. This is where it really uh, hit home. It went beyond that, but it, Italy was the center of civilization at, at that time with the church and the, um, uh, the Catholic church and the center of, of power. And there was, from that breakdown, there was, uh, from that um, deep um, uh, uh, upheaval of, of civilization, the, uh, there was a breakdown of feudalism. The church uh, lost a lot of credibility uh, as, as the good monks uh, and, uh, and leaders died and there were uh, less noble leaders and people lost their faith in the church and it turned into um, skepticism. And out of that grew um, science and the whole Renaissance and there was much more uh, social mobility, uh, and it it led to it led to uh, a new way of thinking with science and architecture and art and all of those things. Really, as a, can re, be retraced to a, a direct result of of the black the black plague, and we've also in our own time have gone through these things. Out of depression came. The New Deal and came a resurgence and came uh, the, the um, uh, equalizing where, where everybody had a stake in this, uh, in this country together, if you're in the United States, or out of uh, the civil rights movement and all the, the upheaval in the 60s uh, after so much struggle came the beginning of rights, a whole lot more to go, of course. Uh, out of Vietnam came uh, social consciousness. Uh, out of George Floyd and uh, just in recent times has come a racial awareness uh, and a whole swelling up of commitment and conviction. Uh, so you can see that this is how the, the, the way of things that they, they, there's a natural movement from breaking down to then building up, just like in nature as well. And I sometimes think of the, the climate crisis as hopefully 
being that way to help wake us up. So this leads to the second principle that people tend to regress under a threat, but they can be encouraged to progress and contribute. And what happens when there's an upheaval, first people revert to um, every, every man for himself, every person for themselves, or uh, look out for those who aren't like us. And there's, um, there's a whole lot of um, hatred and fear that can be um, ignited. Uh, but that after that short-term reaction, there's also um, a kind of progress where people, there are some people who say, wait, there's another way. We need to, for our own sake, come together or figure out other ways uh, to do this and to, um, to deal with this, um, this crisis that we're in. And what is called for, what's needed, is for people to have a, a context, a, a mental framework to hold what's going on. So let me, uh, let me uh, give you an example. Um, so for instance, having a context, yes, we, we have a dangerous situation. We didn't pre prepare for it, say, in this, this pandemic. But if enough of us face, face it and commit to solving it and learn from it, we can turn the situation around. And out of that comes wiser and better ways to uh, pre prepare and prevent future crises. So it takes some kind of reframing from catastrophe to um, opportunity. Okay, how can we hold this? How can we reframe it? How can we create a perspective that can make some sense for us to, um, to respond to it in a wise way? And how can we implement whatever solutions we have? We're seeing this right now with the, with the virus. There are those who say, um, uh, I don't want to wear a mask. You can't tell me what to do. And there are those that are saying, we're all in this together and we better figure this out because what you do affects me and what I do affects you. Let's come together on this. So we're in this stress right now, some who are regressing under a threat and others who are saying, hey, we've got to come together to do this. The third principle is that our usual state of mind is unfortunately dysfunctional and deluded. That we are, we get confused and we can, uh, we can get lost, but we can see through our confusion and wake up that the, our, we can train our hearts and our minds to hold things in a different way, to have a positive vision. 
uh, as, as the Buddha talked about this um, in one of the lists that I, I mention a lot, transcendental dependent arising, that suffering can lead to either more confusion and bitterness, or it can lead to uh, searching for answers and waking up and lead to faith and lead to all the way up to enlightenment. So although our usual state of mind is dysfunctional, we can wake up if we can hold our circumstances in a different way and that we can train ourselves to, to look for good solutions, not only for ourselves, but for others. And as uh, Roger points out, and he says this in his uh, Essential Spirituality, each of the contemplative traditions contains uh, four core practices, whether it's um, Buddhism or Judaism or Christianity or uh, Hinduism or Islam, that we need to find ways to protect ourselves and others, to live with integrity and ethics. That we need to learn how to calm and stabilize the mind, attention training, or prayer, or some centering, or some sur surrender and devotion, some kind of way to focus the mind, that when we can do that, we can start to see things clearly, and we can um, awaken our wisdom, and we can see things as they truly are. And from our own personal development of ethics and training and calming the mind and opening the heart and wisdom arising, we naturally want to serve, to enhance the well-being of everyone, including oneself. So we can wake up and we can grow up. And then Roger talks about the fifth principle, and that is that others are deluded and we can help. That we're, we're not alone in this, in our collective trance, that we can start to see that uh, we can work together, whether it's all of a sudden waking up from the trance of systemic racism, or uh, as, as so many people are, are doing these days. And it's amazing how quickly things change, how from this sense of hopelessness to um, all the demonstrations that are happening, to this election perhaps that has galvanized and catalyzed so much coming together that that's often how it works. That's how the civil rights movement worked. That's how the women's rights movement or gay rights uh, uh, movement, uh, that people are coming together to help each other wake up. Even the ones who were uh, completely lost in their delusion, little by little, there's a collective wisdom that starts to uh, st starts to gain momentum.
So this leads us to um, the sixth of these principles, which is that healing the world calls for healing ourselves. That we realize it's not just those folks out there that are deluded, that I need to do my work. I need to wake up to the places that I've gotten lost. Uh, and it's, it's really been humbling. I can share for myself, you know, we did a few, a few weeks where we were looking at, uh, at, at racial um, uh, inequality and white privilege here. And I had been doing, oh, maybe I'd gone through four or five diversity trainings over the years. But all of a sudden, after George Floyd, I, I, I have to humbly admit, on a whole other level, I was motivated and saying, oh, my goodness, I really need to look at every way that conditioning has made me unconscious and so uh, you might be feeling that as well in whatever it is that's, that's helping you wake up these days, whether you felt, oh, well, uh, I, hope, I hope the country gets itself together. It's no longer for everybody else there. What can I do and how can I look at my own anger? How can I look at my own othering? that makes somebody on a different political um, side the enemy and that sees, okay, how am I being blinded here too? And so I need to heal myself of greed, hatred, and delusion uh, before casting a stone uh, toward, towards others. And it's really humble to do that, humbling to do that. But this is how we truly heal because then we're not feeling arrogant or self-righteous. You know, that, that line that I've shared many times that Martin Luther King said, we have no moral authority over those who can feel our underlying contempt. We have to really heal ourselves and, and see uh, what we're carrying and, and wake up inside. So this leads us to uh, the seventh principle. Effective responses address both the symptoms and causes. Okay. So this is not just... Uh, putting somebody in jail who's uh, a police uh, been, uh, been accused of police brutality, but it's seeing the underlying causes, for instance, in our, in our society or with climate. It's not just recycling or hoping, uh, hoping that, um, that there's some new, new ways of, of dealing with the situation uh, that whether it's electric cars for the privileged or uh, eating, uh, eating a, a vegan diet for some, but it's seeing that the root causes, the root causes of, say, racial unrest or climate or whatever the, 
the calamity is, is, um, is greed, hatred, and delusion. Is seeing some basic misunderstandings. My friend Bob Doppelt, who I was speaking with today, who's a, uh, a leading sustainability and, and climate expert, uh, wrote a wonderful book, From Me to We, um, about climate and what would be, what's needed for transformation in our society. And in this book, he wrote about five different principles that come from Buddhist philosophy that he doesn't, he, he eliminates all the jargon, but he says, if we want to really wake up as a civilization, we need to understand that we're part of a bigger system, interconnectedness. We need to understand uh, the law of cause and effect, karma, that actions have consequences. We need to understand how integrity is, is a basis for true well-being and happiness, and that acting outside of integrity harms ourselves and harms everyone, that these are some basic principles of life that uh, our consciousness needs to shift. We need to understand the power of, of compassion and the role, for instance, that humans play, uh, not dominion over, but a stewardship. Since we have so much power, a stewardship of this planet. So to see the causes of greed, hatred, and delusion um, leading to so much catastrophe and how we can turn that around and turn our greed into compassion and stewardship. And we need to understand um, that we have uh, a power when we set our minds to a positive intention. So it's really seeing the effective responses that include not just the symptoms, but address the causes underneath. And this leads to the next principle, which is the bodhisattva aspiration and seeing it as an, as an inspiration, not a declaration, that we, uh, if we can use them skillfully, that ideals are like pointers or compasses and they remind us, oh yes, this is the direction I want my life to follow. And then the ideal becomes an ongoing inspiration than an illusory destination. <clears throat> so we, we see that our, our own healing is something that we offer as a gift to others. And uh, let's see, I'm, I'm a little bit, um, I'm just wondering whether to carry on this, there's two more steps. This, I, I'll, I guess I'll just go through them uh, quickly and uh, we'll see if we can get through it. So the principle number nine is the art of sacred service, healing and awakening both the world and ourselves simultaneously. And this is Roger's eight steps of sacred service. And we can look at them together. That is before we're doing an action of service, he says to stop before beginning that action and take a moment to become present 
and reflect on what you're about to do and why. So you're doing it consciously, whether it's sending some money to a campaign or writing letters for an election or doing some work around climate, stop and be present. Oh, I'm about to do this and do it consciously. And then to offer the activity and its outcome to a higher purpose. So you're dedicating the, the action for something beyond yourself offering it to God or considering it offering to some higher purpose for the well-being of everyone. May they be touched by this activity beyond yourself, larger than one's ego. And then he says to attempt to do whatever activity you're doing, do it impeccably. Do the activity as wholeheartedly and as well as you can to really be there for it as a mindfulness practice. Number four, be mindful. Bring as much awareness as you can to all aspects of the activity, your behavior, your feelings, other people's feel reactions, and the outcome, to really be present as you do it all. And then to explore and work with any reactions that arise, because there will be some inner reactions reactions to other people. I'm sure you've experienced this frustration, annoyance. Why do they think the way they do? Maybe having anxiety or hope or pride or embarrassment. This is all part of the activity and these emotions and reactions are, can be feedback symbols, signals pointing to attachments. So we can use this as a way to wake up and to see through the separation and to humbly keep on growing and bringing awareness to them. The sixth of these steps is to release the attachment to the outcome, to let go. Karma yoga, you do it just because it's the right thing to do. Without getting attached to the results, without getting into fear or hope, but just to do it because it feels aligned with our values. And when we let go of our attachments to the way things turn out, we become less reactive, less egocentric, less caught up in our emotions, and therefore able to see more clearly and act more skillfully. Number seven, to reflect after you complete the activity, to reflect and to learn. What can I learn from this activity about myself, about others, about the mind and how to be more effective? And then finally in this step, to offer the benefits of the activity for the welfare and awakening of all, just as you did at the beginning, to may this, may this serve me as I'm about to do it in the end, you offer it as well for the awakening of all as we dedicate our, our actions. May the benefit of this activity serve the welfare and awakening of all. And then finally, the 10th principle, 
sacred service serves us until the universe serves itself. And what that means is that we no longer become the one who's doing the sacred service, that you go beyond ego and your true nature is being expressed. And so you're doing it because it's just life using you well, not because you'll get any kind of a stroke, not because you will uh, you will have any payoff, but just because it feels good because it's life using you to the best that it can. And then you're doing it for its own reward, not because I'm going to do some sacred service here, but because, ah, this is what, how life is using me. What a blessing to be used in this way. So these are just some reflections on one way to hold a positive vision. And, um, and this is uh, something that I, I just offer you to reflect on as we're, as we're going through these intense times that we naturally, this is the cycle of humanity to go through intense times and the cycle of humanity to get into regression and get into fighting and get into which side is going to win to move beyond that to see we are all in this together. And this is a vehicle for our awakening, the, the dark night of the species, as, um, as Andrew Harvey says, and to use our own practice as a vehicle for growth waking up to ourselves, our own ways that we're unconscious, and to help each other wake up. We're all in this together. And the beautiful thing about practice is the more you wake up, the more your being shines through and is contagious and helps others wake up too. And I believe that that's what's happening right now. As Roger is the one who I often quote, we're in a race between fear and consciousness. So how amazing that we can be part of that awakening of all. And it means not giving up um, uh, into despair, but seeing we are part of this process. This is life using us in this grand play, this grand scheme. Holding a positive vision makes such a difference. Then then we have energy to act. And that's what we need in these days. So that's a lot of words and I raced through it. Uh, and um, so please forgive me that uh, for, uh, if it's overloading, uh, the, the, uh, somebody wrote a chat, I missed the name of the book that contains all the info in your slides. Well, I don't think of it as slides. I'm very, <laughs> I'm humbled to think of it as slides. Uh, Roger's book was Essential Spirituality, but this is an essay that he just wrote the last, within the last month called Contributing Effectively in Times of Crisis. And I have a feeling he put it up on his, uh, on his website. I'm not sure. I think I'll ask him to, um, and his website, I think, is Dr. Roger Walsh. But if you just look up at Roger Walsh, you'll probably get it. 
anyway, uh, that's, that's enough. Is the PDF available? Hmm. Uh, that's a, a good question. I think I'll, I'll ask him and, uh, I think it might be, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring it next week um, if, if it is. So we don't have uh, much time. Uh, maybe uh, just for a moment before I ask Eve to, to sing a song, let's just uh, settle in and, and take in all the words, uh, let all the words settle, and just see ourselves as Eve sang in the beginning, may we be instruments of peace. May we hold an inspiring vision that helps bring the best out of all of us for our own sake and for sake of all beings. And may, may our coming here together be for the benefit of all. So Eve, why don't you uh, lead us with a, with a song? Thank you so much, James. That was wonderful. So I, while you were talking, I thought of the Ghanaian work song, Boyaya. Sing it. It's a short song. I'll sing it through twice. It's about uh, moving toward freedom together. We are going. Heaven knows where we are going. We know we're there. We will get there. Heaven knows how we will get we know we will. Woyaya, 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 woyaya. It will be hard, we know, and the road will be muddy and rough, but we'll get there. Heaven knows how we will get there. We know Sing with me. We are going. Heaven knows where we are going. We know who we will. We will get there. Heaven knows how we will get there. We know who we will.
you so much, Eve. Mm. Just as long as we're facing in the right direction, mm. that's all we can do. That's all we really need to do, just doing our best from love. So may, once again, our coming here together inspire us and ripple out and be of benefit to all beings everywhere and this planet. And in these coming weeks to keep holding possibilities, positive vision to do the best we can and inspire each other to work for a better world. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.